Welcome to With Maze and Mal, a podcast where two sisters come together to talk about growing up, living life, all while managing a rare chronic illness. We have lots to say and we are finally sharing our stories. We want to acknowledge that we know everyone's experience will look different and everyone's story is valid, so don't think your journey has to look just like ours. We are not medical professionals, so any recommendations we make on here are based on our own experiences and any changes you make to your care should be discussed with your providers. On this episode of With Maze and Mal, we have a special guest joining us today. Um, today's episode is going to be with Maze, Mal, and Mom. So we reached out on social media and asked you guys what you wanted to know about us as kids, um, what it was like to raise kids with complex medical needs, and um, just other facts about our lives growing up, stuff that maybe our mom remembered better than we would. Um, a lot of the questions that we received were healthcare related, um, but some were just about what it was like to raise two sisters in general. So we're going to start off talking about that, just sort of our childhood um, and what sort of shenanigans we got into, and then transition into the more medical healthcare related side of things. So um, Mal and I are just going to bounce back and forth, and um, we have our mom on here with us, so you will hear her for the first time, um, and probably not the last, but yeah, let's get right into it. So I will ask the first one because it's about me. We got some really good questions about um, that just sort of gave us a chance to reminisce about us as kids and um, the crazy things we did. So somebody asked, knowing I, Maisie, was a crazy kid, what was your favorite, did she really just do that moment? So mom, take it away. Well, hi, everybody. I'm mom. Um, I didn't think you were that crazy of a kid. I thought you were a super active kid, a spirited kid, but I never thought you were crazy, not till you got into teenage years. Anyhow, um, I think one of my favorite stories is a long time ago, McDonald's in their Happy Meals, they gave away those wiki sticks, those wax sticks you could do art with. And we were on a road trip and we used to give you guys like activities to do in the back of the car. And Mallory had been to some event where she got a hair wrap done in her hair, like an original hair, a real hair wrap. And all of a sudden we hear this little voice in the back of the car saying, look, mom, I have a hair wrap. And we turned around and you had made a gorgeous, was gorgeous. <laughs> hair wrap in your hair with wax sticks all melted inside. We had to cut, we ended up having to cut it out, but you know, it was, it was a little hard to be mad because um, it was very well done, quite artistic, but um, we did have to cut it out so it didn't melt into the rest of your hair and we'd have to shave your head. Yeah. Cause it, I remember it was on the side that I wasn't sleeping on and it was a really sunny day. And so I'd fallen asleep in the car and it did melt into most of my hair because it was wax and that's what wax does when it gets hot. Yes, uh, but it was hilarious. Yeah. The other ones. Oh, my sound of music audition was the other uh, one. As, yes. Um, we went by a sign that was advertising sound of music auditions and I didn't, I don't even think you had ever seen sound of music. 
And you were like, mom, I want to do that. And I explained to you, I said, you have to go into a room and you have to sing and dance and talk in front of a room full of strangers. And you were like, okay, I think you were seven. And so it was a theater that we knew. So we, we went there and, oh, you, we couldn't sign you up for the kids audition because we had something else then that you, you couldn't miss. So, um, so we went to the adult audition and yours was the first name called and you were tiny for your age to begin with. So they called your name. Mal, were you there too? Were you with me? I think you were with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were, Mal and I are sitting there with you and you just jumped, they called your name, you jumped up and you went right to the stage. You didn't even like turn around and say, I'll see you later, nothing. You just went up. And, and the director was like, oh my goodness, like she's so tiny. And he said, um, can you sing the cuckoo song? And you were like, do you just want me to sing Gretel's part? Or do you want me to sing everybody's part? Because <laughs> all, well, because it was like, dun, 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 dun. and then he said, just, I think he said, whatever you want. And you did, and you sang the whole thing. And then, and then you had to go sit down while the other people sang. And then it was the reading part. And he, your name got called first. And he turned around and looked at me and said, can she even read? I was like, oh yeah, she can read. I was in shock, but I knew I knew the minute you went up there and did the singing part right at the beginning that you had that part. There, it was no doubt, no doubt. That was so <laughs> fun. And then the last note that I have is in quotes, why does he only have one arm? Oh, yes. While we were in the grocery store, you were, literally, you were sitting in the carriage and a gentleman with one arm went by and you said in your regular, you know, voice, why does that guy only have one arm? And he looked at me and I looked at him and we exchanged, you know, and, and he's like curious about how I'm going to handle this. And I was like, sometimes people only have one arm. Everybody, it can be a different reason for everybody. It doesn't have to be the same reason. And, um, and he, that I could tell that satisfied him and he went on his way. But um, I, I never felt like, I mean, I was a little, I was more concerned about what his response would be, but I never had a problem with you guys when you were a little answering questions like that, because um, I think it's important for people to recognize people's differences and understand them and accept them. For sure. It's so funny. We were just talking about John Mulaney before we started recording and he has like a sketch where their dad is like, okay, we're going to this motel and the owner only has one arm. So what you're not going to do is you're not going to go up to him and ask him why he only has one arm. We're not going to be weird about this. And the kids go, oh, we're going to be so weird about it. And then they get to the hotel or whatever. And John and the kids go up to the guy and they're like, why do you only have one arm? And he goes, I was born that way. And they're like, oh, that's boring. <laughs> Relatable. Anyway, cool. Yeah, those were fun. I, yeah, I definitely wasn't, I was active. I think my, just one of my favorite memories that I can like laugh about now is my door when my room was right off the kitchen. And I used to get so angry for stupid reasons. And I used to try, it was one of those pocket doors and I used to try to slam it and it would bounce back open. <laughs> I think it didn't help that we used to also laugh at your attempts to try to slam your door as yeah. you were doing it. I couldn't even like get a good Sorry. 
door slam in until like my teenage years and then I was just like too sad I think it also (laughs) swelled in the heat so like some days it was like even harder to slam or like clothes so yeah sorry about that some days I couldn't even shut it I remember there was like a scrape mark now that you say that it used to like warp yeah anyway all right you're up Mel all right, so I know that I have many memories um, and that when Maisie came along was uh, probably one of my favorite times in life. But I'm curious, Mom, what uh, is your proudest memory of me, Mel, um, being a big sister to Maisie? Um, I have many, I have many of them. Um, it Just pretty much the whole, you were a second mom to her. You, um, you took your big sisterhood very seriously. You were eight. So, you know, that's, plus you, you had been demanding a little sister for eight years. So, you know, it was about time that you got one. (laughs) For me, and one thing that I know we've talked about was, you know, the healthcare piece of, you know, me having been through everything you know that she was going through and I remember even being eight years old and like wishing that I could like take that away for like do it for her because I had already been through it and it just like pained me so much to watch her go through everything um and that was you know that was one that I remember and um sharing things like when we were at camp like her first year was I think my last year and I was really set on making sure that we could be there together so that I could like make sure that people were doing everything right. Because, you know, even though I had been there for seven years, I knew they could do everything. I still was like, I need to verify and do these quality checks before uh, we leave Maisie in your care. So those were um, just a couple that I remember. Well, that's, that's the thing that popped into my head was that you used to give her pep talks too. Like if she had to have a procedure done or something similar to what you had done or a test or whatever, you would explain to her in, in I think, you know, more age, re, age appropriate terms than maybe I would have been able to at the time um, or peer appropriate terms, something along those lines. You'd explain it to her and sort of set her up for it so that we would have a better luck. But, um, but Maisie was also a much more um, uh, emotionally labile kid, I think, too. So um, emotions came easy. I didn't want to say drama queen, but I'm just going to say she was a drama queen. So, <laughs> so she was more likely to have a reaction. We were just talking about this recently that, you know, there were doctors who had you for years, and then they would go and do something similar to or a, for Maisie and she would have the complete opposite react you know you'd be all cooperative and pit calm and deep breathing or whatever and Maisie would just go off so and they and they didn't know how to deal with that and um but to me it seemed like I mean I've been around enough kids in hospitals to know that yours that Mallory your responses were actually not the norm Maisie's responses were more the norm so I was surprised that they were surprised, but I think they just thought she was going to be a, a younger version of you. No, they yeah. had no idea what they were in for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think 
another thing that that I think of, you know, you said I was like a second mom and um, telling the theater story and how you said it like surprised you that she just like got up and like did the thing. Um, I feel like I was very much like the dance mom. Like you always encouraged us to like do activities and things like that. But I felt like I was the one that was like, no, you are going to do this and you are going to do it the best that you can and you are going to stick with it. And I remember Maisie doing gymnastics. And I think in another episode, we told the story of me giving her the pep talk to do a proper cartwheel because I knew that she could. Um, but I remember going to her gymnastics class and just watching her and then being really sad when she quit because like I wanted to continue to go and watch because <laughs> she was so good and she's still so good at like everything that you do Maisie and I like I remember there were so many times where like you wanted to be me but like I also wanted to be you so I just remember being there for like every horse show every dance recital every I think you actually got me back into dance because I would watch you and I missed it and I wanted to do it. And so I think that was part of why I actually started doing dance again in hindsight. Oh. Mallory, do you remember Maisie's first dance recital? And she, um, for the rehearsal, she said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the, re I don't want to do the recital. I don't want to do it. And, um, and then when it came time and we were like, you don't have to just try it. And if you, you know, if you really don't want to do it, then we'll go home, but at least just try it. And she got up there <laughs> and they actually gave her a microphone because not only was she dancing, but she was singing, they put her smack dab in the middle. The other kids were following her and, um, and she, she was fine after that <laughs> well and it's and it's funny because like you would say like you don't have to do it and I was the one going no you you have gotten this far like you are going you're gonna finish this <laughs> like you're the best one they have that's a dance so, mom. I mean, that's that's what I remember yeah oh my god it was what so about cute. you do it, you it was, it was so cute because you had this um you had this costume that was three costumes in one because you were in like three different dances. And so we'd have to rearrange you each, like take the tutu off or whatever. And um, I was so, you were so cute. I Mal, remember that. Remember your first dance recital? With the, the bunny, the infamous bunny picture. Yeah, bunny, but you, yes. you were having serious, serious skeletal issues at the time. And we, you actually could not be in the recital. The dance teacher allowed us to walk you through the entire recital. When you had that bunny rabbit picture taken, we had to hold you there and run away, have the picture taken and come back and grab you. So, but that dance teacher was amazing because she was like, whatever she can do, she's doing. Maybe that's where you got the, you're doing this. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't that just the rehearsal? Cause I tell people, cause that bunny picture has gone down in like internet history now um but didn't i only make it to the rehearsal yes you were in terrible, yeah. terrible pain um because of yeah. your school stuff that we didn't know what the problem was yet but um but that teacher you wanted to be a bunny rabbit in that rehearsal so in that dance recital and that teacher made the rehearsal 
you know, she knew this wasn't feasible for the actual recital, but she was going to make sure that you felt like you had a recital. You were only like two. So, you know, the show, the show did, must go on. Right. Right. <laughs> I think, I think my, oh my God, I, I just have so many, like definitely camp, like camp was huge. Just like knowing you were there was like such a comfort because I got so homesick at night and you always let me come sleep in your room if it was like a million degrees because you had the air conditioner or if we got a thunderstorm. Like I know we talked about this last time, but like if there was a thunderstorm, you would, we would like hear, you would hear a crack of thunder and then you would literally like count down from five and then hear my footsteps down the stairs and then a knock on your door <laughs> because I could not be alone during a thunderstorm even if you were I, in the same house. I never and knew this that. Was, that this was up until I moved out. This was like recent. <laughs> I mean, also. relatively, but yeah, until I was like 17. <laughs> but um I think that, and then I think Boston, like when you lived in Boston, letting me come visit like during school after finals and stuff when things were just super stressful. I remember one time um, I went and you had like my air mattress, you had a studio and you still had my air mattress at the foot of your bed and you had my SpongeBob sheets on it and you had the teddy bear that I always snuggled when I was there and we got like ramen or pho or something for dinner and it was just like so cozy and happy and I was like, I was just so happy to be there and like escape from everything. And then even just like when I was younger, like I remember you let me tag along for like everything. Like when we were younger, that was the biggest thing. Like you said, like I just wanted to be you and have all your friends. And you basically like at a certain point, like you just let me hang out with you guys. Like I, I'm thinking about like theater specifically. Like there were nights when you would go out after and I would have to go home. But like those few times when I got to go out with you guys, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Didn't, didn't we leave you at Denny's one time? You did. Yep. I was just talking to my yeah. friend about this actually. Cause um, there was another well, time mom I, did. Yeah, I got left uh, in a parking lot one time. <laughs> um, and then we talked about the Denny's one also. <laughs> it was just a miscommunication. Number two child. It's fine. I'm resilient. But the funny thing is, I mean, this is like a whole other thing, but I mean, the first show was Sound of Music and you were the one that was in the show. And then I made all my best friends from that show. So I was only there to go to Denny's because you were in the show. You're so, welcome. thanks. Thanks for that. That introduction to that theater community we stuck with that theater community for a long time yeah that kind of opened the world of theater to us i think yeah family shows together yeah we were all in a couple of shows actually all because Maisie saw a poster that said we need sound of music kids yep so there were a lot of them mel's been a good big sister always college too i used to visit her at college that was fun. I thought I was, she just always made me feel like I was super cool. <laughs> um, <Aww. laughs> so she was, super cool. she was super, she's still super cool. <laughs> yeah, you both are. You both, thanks. 
<laughs> I feel like, like, not to diverge, but like, I feel like she's kind of paved the way for my, like, so many of my choices, though, because like, she figured out the college thing, she figured out the grad school thing, and like, I'm just kind of, I'm like, you know, I, I can always be like, hey, Mel, how did you do this? Like, how, what is financial aid? Like, what is insurance? Help me. So I feel like just in general, like she's been able to sort of hold my hand through all of those big life changes and like things I had to navigate. And she kind of already did it for me. She was a very big cheerleader for you when you wanted to go do a semester abroad that had came with a lot of moving parts. And, um, um, you know, there were times when we really didn't know if we could pull it off. There was a whole insurance question, you know, there were all kinds of things that went on, but um, Mallory helped us navigate that too. You know, we talked as a family and, but she was still worried about you just like I was when you were gone. And she said, I'm never allowed to leave the country again unless we go yeah, another. You're never, I don't know why I champion that because you're never doing that again. So it was a long, that was anyway. a long five months. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So on to the next one. Mom, what was your favorite adventure or activity that you set up for the, for the girls for us? And how did we react? Um, this one's easy. Um, I think my absolute, we did a lot of, a lot of activities, but I think one of my favorite ones was the Christmas treasure hunt when I wrote like little, uh, poems that gave clues where you could find the next clue. And you guys loved that and got very excited about it. And then at the end I found at, um, big lots or Christmas tree shop or something, this really cool, um, what do you call it like a trunk like a mini trunk look like a treasure chest yeah it was and, a treasure chest right it was a treasure chest and um it was it was antique and i filled it with glittery um stuff and then we put presents in there for you guys and candy and stuff and then you would solve all the clues until you found the treasure it was fun so i'm going to well for a second because Mal said dad made that in another episode and I just want to clarify that you got it a big loss but but there were two because I when you said that the other one popped into my head but dad made one too remember the name the more narrow one he did but that was for that was actually for um Samantha that was actually an additional Samantha trunk because you grew out of the trunk he made you. So there were two. I knew he made one. Yes, that's no, crazy. you're right. We did use that for treasure box one time. That's, that's not a lie, that's true. Thank you. Thank you for fact checking, Maisie, because I had the same thought and then I could picture both of them in my head and I was like, what's going on? But no, <laughs> you're absolutely the, right. The um, trunk 2.0 was not as big as the treasure box I found at Big Lots or wherever it was. So it was, I could put more stuff in the, in the treasure box from Big Lots. <laughs> Some of the other stuff, uh, activities that we, one of the things that I'm most proud about of our family is nothing was too small to celebrate. So we celebrated as much as humanly possible because there were so many times when we had to get through stuff that we really wanted to be able to celebrate getting to the other side of that. But that being said, when there was something actually to celebrate, then we really went to town, like your birthday parties. Uh, birthday parties were 
and and they didn't have to cost a lot of money like we had for you Mallory we had a carnival in the backyard your kindergarten teacher came and ran a booth you know those kinds of things that I think I sent away to some kind of oriental trading type place to you know to get all these little carnival games and um, and for Maisie one time we we rented a horse farm kind of a thing and you know so it was it could be anything it'd be from you know we had an American girl birthday party where we had a tea party with uh, cupcakes and petty fours and you know it was and boys came too and they really enjoyed it it was great so we well had a lot of really awesome activities and um that's one of the things I'm most proud of of our family well, and that's what I remember too. And, and we made a lot of stuff. Like I remember we had our, my black light seventies birthday party. And I remember cutting out giant neon paper flowers that we hung from the ceiling. And these parties were, they were community events. Like they, these were where kids came and went like even during like teenage years, I feel like we were the gathering place and for, you know, young people who didn't necessarily have great support systems at home, but even for those who did, like you were friends with the parents and, you know, we would have pool parties and, you know, pool parties up into like high school um, where people just felt so welcome and safe. And even to this day, like, I know, you know, we've reconnected with some of those people and they say like, Oh my God, like your mom was a mom to me. And like, I knew I, you know, could always go to your family. And, you know, I think for, for me, like having those parties just created that community and they were also just really, really fun. That's interesting that that's your observation. That is, that is a, a, an accurate observation from your childhood, but, um, and Maisie's younger years perhaps, but, um, it, I've always found it fascinating that there's eight years between you and you would, and you attended the same school system. And there was such a huge change in the level of compassion and the level of, um, understanding of Maisie's peers from your peers. Now, I know that I know that you have issues that are more visible to the human eye than Maisie does, but um that but it still shocked me how um people wrote her off in in that way. So so she didn't have the same experience that you had from middle school on. And and that yeah. to this day really bothers me. Um, because she could have had some of those same experiences that you had. Luckily she had them when she was a kid and we made other, you know, um, we made other ways to have fun, but neither of you guys went on your senior class trips. We, we created class trips that were, um, more appropriate for you guys. Your, yours was whitewater rafting. Mal. you, there was no way we were going to let you go whitewater rafting. Um, I too. that's like the go-to. We did end up going whitewater rafting with you later on, Maisie, but we'll never do that again. But I, um, I, I have no, <laughs> I have no desire. That was awful. But, um, but because we decided to do something different for your senior trips, we had a blast. We went to New York City for yours, Mal. What did we do for you for a senior, a senior I adventure? I don't think we did. I don't know what we did. We did 
something. I can't remember what, but I know that you wanted to go to Harry Potter world and it wasn't, it wasn't until you graduated from college, but then we were able to finally go. And I think like what, one thing that you were really um, amazing at during that really difficult time is that you let me, um, you really emphasized the outlets that were sources of support for me during that time. So like I didn't have school friends um, from like middle school on. I, for whatever reason, we've talked about it in past episodes, but um, you let me focus on horses. You let me focus on theater. And like you let me prioritize those things in my life that gave me that strength and that like honestly like will to keep going some days because school was so toxic for me so it didn't like I remember my 16th birthday was like when do you guys remember that it was like a pool slash beach party we like did half the day at the beach yes it was and, so weird was and that's a super weird one yeah so we tried to like combine my school friends and my <laughs> theater friends and I think like my horse friends or something like it was just too many you know when you combine too many groups of friends that you know from different places and it's mm -hmm. just like Ugh! and you have to like because like you're kind of different people in those different places so then you have to kind of like try to make yourself into one person like for all those people it was so weird and I, I think that was probably the last like birthday party I had because I was like I never want this to happen again so but yeah I found other you know, ways to like celebrate life and like enjoy things beyond that but yeah it was definitely different you know what's funny is you know I think that continues like into adulthood and thinking about com the concept of like combining friends the first and only time I've ever done that was my wedding and it will probably never happen again it's so interesting because you just don't it's not organic but yeah I remember that party of yours very clearly mm, me too super strange but it was nice going to the beach and going swimming and stuff <laughs> <laughs> It actually like rained. It was like cloudy like every year on your birthday, I feel like. Do you remember when we went to Jokers and we lost power? Oh my God. We, that, wasn't I Mal, in the hospital? Mal was endocarditis, Mal. Mal was in the hospital. We had to we had to postpone. We we planned your party once. We had to postpone it because Mal was so sick. And then some very sweet friends of our family um, came and sat with Mal, who was very, very sick so that we could pull off your party. Cause I didn't want you to feel like, you know, you were second fiddle to all this and you already, you already had to postpone your party once. So it was at Jokers in Portland, which is where Mal was. So I had to drive all the way back to an hour away or 45 minutes away to get all the stuff and bring it all back, you know, bring you back to Jokers. We go to Jokers, there is a giant hurricane level thunderstorm the parking lot was flooded the the power went off and jokers they were running on gen generator you guys didn't care you were playing all you were doing all the games running around the ball pits and all that you didn't care but then after the party was all over we had to trudge through the flooded um parking lot pile everything back into the cars i had to drive you all the way home make sure you were all set and that a nurse was there to take care of you 
and then I had to go back to the hospital to be with Mal and the and Mal was out cold with the lights off and the three people that were sitting with her were just sitting on the couch in the dark <laughs> waiting for me to come back they were so wonderful and um yeah I do remember that it was very stressful but it was also very fun I think Grammy came to Jokers for your party too I think Grammy was there probably didn't she, she like to love she loved Nana was evil. probably there too. Probably, yeah. He's crazy. <sighs> it was crazy. All right. So, um, with that, I know this was a rare occasion, but what was the most ridiculous thing that Mal and Maisie got into a fight over? Well, the only time I remember ever you guys having a disagreement was when you were a teenager, Mal, and you wanted to hang with your friends, you didn't want your little sister hanging out with you, which was also a very rare occasion because you, you often invited her along on things, but she was very hurt that you said, can I just have some space for like five minutes? And um, so she immediately created two invisible friends who just happened to have the same name as your friends. <laughs> which is which is a very normal thing to do and then as we discussed previously another very normal thing to do was that you made the imaginary friends a christmas stocking just one just the one that was closer uh than the other one Maisie wrote and the, the, but she didn't know how to spell the name so she just you you said what it what was on it i don't even remember it was, what was it was m-i-g and it had a blue, you put a blue candy cane in it. What was my imaginary friend's name, though, that I was trying to spell? Michaela. Michaela. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Michaela and Crystal. Yep. I have to admit that when they finally went away, I kind of missed them. The invisible ones, not the real ones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time um, I... I can't, I don't even remember the context, but I was mad at Mal for something and I pushed her and it was like, <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is like, if you're training a puppy and there's something you really don't want them to get into and you show it to them and then scold them like they've never been scolded before, it was like that and I got screamed at and I think sent to my room. And I, I was just like testing boundaries. I was just like, I've seen, I've seen kids push their siblings. Like, what if I just, and it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. So I didn't do that again. I do remember I that we, happened. I don't remember how old you were, but um, Mallory broke very easily under very, you know, unexpected circumstances. So we were responding, I remember, I do remember dad and I responding as if though you were, you know, killing her because we've already, we had already, we had PTSD, frankly, and we didn't, you know, we knew that she could be very easily hurt, badly hurt very easily. So that was our natural response. I don't think we sent you to your room. I think we said we don't, after we screamed, like freaked out, then we said we don't, you know, we don't push people especially Mallory. But I think the reaction that you remember so vividly was PTSD on the part of dad and I, because poor dad took Mal down a slide and broke her leg. So, you know, it, it was traumatic. 
if you did go to your room, we know that you didn't slam the door. <laughs> I, I think I went, I think I went to my room purely out of convenience because it was off the kitchen. So you were probably just like, go, just go around the corner. Because I remember it was in the kitchen. I pushed her and she fell into like the cupboard of um, like Tupperware. She didn't fall into the cupboard, but she fell against that <laughs> cupboard. And my room was like right there. So I feel like you were probably like, just go, just go there for me. Vivid memories, kiddo. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, if it's any consolation, I don't remember that literally at all. So that's, that's I'm good. I'm fine. Um, and I also think that we didn't really fight. And I think part of that was, part of that was the age difference. But I also think that we reached a point in our existence where we just were allies. Like we just knew what we were dealing with, like, and we were in it together. And I just never felt, I don't know, I just always feel like we were super close, especially like once we got to certain ages um, that we just were like, hey, want to do this like together? Because if we don't, like, it's going to be a lot harder. And we were like, yeah, okay, cool. So that's kind of my perception. Yeah. I, and I think honestly, like we were so different in age that it was like, we were basically at different stages of our life constantly so like right as I was starting to like want to hang out with you you were like going to college and then you came home and I was like oh I miss you but the other thing the other thing that I remembered that we didn't we didn't fight over but there was just this like constant um bitterness about on my part um you had better Barbies I got I got the house I did get the house but I wanted to play with your Barbies so bad because you had the Jeep and you had, you had a backpack that had Aladdin and Jasmine on it. It was pink and it had Aladdin and Jasmine on it. And you had an Old Spice Ken doll and it smelled good and all your Barbies smelled good and I wanted to play with them. And you had wheelchair like, you know, Becky. Wait, I'm not done. <laughs> you had the scuba dive one. And you had, I think you had, you had something else, but you had all these Barbies that I, oh, the gymnastics set. You had this badass gymnastics set that you let me play with occasionally. And I finally got it. You finally handed it down to me. And I was like, it's about time. So just know that that happened. Well, and I also, I do want to clarify for the record that part of the reason that, I mean, Ken smelled good because it was the Old Spice thing, um, but I also took very good care of my Barbies, and before I would put them away, I would brush their hair and put a dryer sheet over it so that they weren't staticky, and so my general concern was that if you played with them, um, they, I mean, your American Girl doll doesn't have limbs anymore, so I was I was concerned for their well-being mostly. And I do just want to emphasize also for the record, you did have the convertible. Um, and probably, I think you had horses also, but you had the Fold and Fun house. Um, and there were three gymnastics uh, with a set of bars, a balance beam, and a vault. 
So with right. that, and um, you had, I, you, that's my closing statement. You had the one with the vault who was also African-American, by the way, Janet was her name. And she had the blue unitard and I only had pink and purple and I wanted all three. <laughs> and you had, I finally got a Jeep. I got a remote control Jeep. So just so you're aware. And I only cut Whitney's hair. And that was an impulse move. Um, uh, was, no. was, Whitney, was Whitney white? Yeah, she was the brunette gymnast girl. I think you you cut some blondes, too. <laughs> yeah. You cut them. You we, we got Mallory one of those Barbie heads that you could make up and do their hair and stuff. We got you one, and you immediately <laughs> took, like, permanent markers to it and fingernail polish to her eyes. I think you cut her hair. Like, and, you know, Maisie, when you were a tiny little girl, Okay, now I can get going on the crazy Maisie. <laughs> when you were a little girl, you wanted to unroll a roll of toilet paper so bad. You would do it all the time. And I, I kept saying, no, 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 no. Then I was like, you know what? Why, am, why do I keep fighting this battle? I gave you a roll. I put it on the roll. I said, go to town. You unrolled that thing for about 10 minutes. You had a great time. I think you unrolled the whole thing. And that was the end of that. The other thing was the light switches. You wanted to do the light switches so bad. And I was like, oh, no, no, you get electrocuted. <laughs> and then finally, I'm like, you know what? Go Here's a stool. Get up on the stool and switch that light switch off as many times. And that's, you got, you just needed to get it out of your system. That's all, that's all it really was. But there is something else important that I wanted to bring up that I didn't bring up in our initial conversation. One of the things that dad and I were very concerned about and wondered about how this would come to be was that because of Mallory's skeletal issues, we knew that she wasn't going to continue to grow, but Maisie continued to grow. So we were like, even though Mal's the big sister and has all this, you know, added age and wisdom, what's going to happen when Maisie's taller than her, but she's still the big sister? And it was... It still amazes me to this day, you guys had the same exact relationship, but I'm wondering from your perspective, do you remember that or having that happen? I remember I just got a lot of comments about like, not, not even negative, just like, oh, she's your big sister, but she's smaller than her. Does that make you the big sister? And I was like, no, stupid. But like, I just remember, <laughs> I just remember being more like agile. So like my instinct was always just to like help. Like if she needed something out of the cupboard, like I would just scurry onto the cupboard and like get what she needed or like, um, you were her service monkey. Yes. Still <laughs> am, frankly. Um, but yeah, no, like I never, it was more apparent to other people than I think it was to me because we did have that relationship like it never yeah I didn't care but now when um when you guys were about the same height didn't people say refer to you as twins more than once I mean we we got that I mean we kind of I don't remember we've gotten that pretty frequently I remember um we got a call from our doctor's office and I answered, 
And they said, I'm calling about Mallory and Maisie, the twins. And I said, hang on a second. And I think I like gave the phone to you or something. And the nurse said, they're not twins, are they? <laughs> like, no, they're eight years apart. Um, but yeah, we, I think we got twins a lot just because we were like, we had like that connection and we were like, we were so close. So people just didn't think about the age difference. Mm. But the weirdest is that you got asked, I got asked if you were my mom one time, which I was like, power to you, but no. (laughs) Close enough. I always think of it in terms of like the physical dynamic of like the comedies or like the Disney movies with the pair of villains where there's like this scary like mob leader who's like the short one with like the black SUV and like the stairs coming down and the door opens and the stairs come down and then it's like this little like tiny villain and then like the like taller sidekick like Boris and yeah, that's like how it is in my brain. Or like Joe Pesci and um, on Home Alone. I can totally picture that with the two of you, completely. Pinky and the, pinky and the brain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Literally. Okay. So, um, I think that is sort of what we have for just like reminiscing, um, but we can kind of move into the healthcare piece. Um, So these are very like sort of broad questions. And I think we could definitely do another episode on these entirely. But getting into the healthcare piece, um, and this can be as broad or specific as you want, what was it like raising two kids on TPN? Um, That is a very broad question. Um, Well, when I had Mallory and I had to, um, first of all, I was in major denial that this was going to be our life, of course. And and also it took um, over a year to get a diagnosis. And one, two, three hospitals later, we finally got a diagnosis. So, um, So it took me a while to, but even before we had a diagnosis, I did have to do a lot of medical stuff at home and, um, oh, so many things coming back to me at once. I do remember we had this wonderful family physician who's the one who figured out something was wrong with Mal to begin with. But when we, after she did a big stint in the hospital, I decided that she should have a pediatrician. So we went to a pediatrician and that person was awful and she was mean and she treated me like I was really stupid. So we went back to the family physician and I'm very glad. And in fact, when Mallory graduated from high school and I think college, I wrote him notes. I tracked him down and wrote him notes and and thanked him again for his uh, knowledge and everything that he did. He was great. But um, so the learning curve was huge. For one thing, there was a lot to it. Um, um, I had, it was hugely, a huge responsibility. I was 27 years old when I had Mal, you know, I, I, I had to grow up real quick. But between having Mal and having you, Maze, um, well, first of all, I was told I shouldn't have you because there was a uh, one in four chance that you could have the same condition. But um, 
but also some of Mallory's stuff that was so difficult for her wasn't part of that condition. It was medical error. So, you know, dad and I weighed that out. We looked into adoption. We looked into, you know, other methods and, and we decided, you know, the devil, you know, but I had a fantastic, um, OBGYN doctor who, you know, walked me through it and was really good. And so, um, then we had you and I never have regretted it. And I, when I see how close you and Mallory have become, um, it just proves my point. But there was a doctor, there was a uh, doctor at a very renowned hospital who wouldn't hardly even talk to me after I got pregnant with you. So that was interesting too. But the, it, the other interesting piece about raising two kids on TPN was A, reaching out to various groups for support, and some of them were more supportive than others, and some of them were no support at all, and some were the opposite of support. Um, probably the most supportive organization that changed our lives in so many ways for the better was the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Um, and, um, and having to learn new, new technology as it came along, having to hire and rehire nurses, um, those kinds of things, fighting with the insurance companies, those were all the negative things. Um, but, you know, looking back over it now, I think to myself, had you guys not been sick, I would have been working and you would have been in childcare or, you know, I mean, I got to raise my own kids and I, I don't feel bad about that. Um, One thing that I... I I could talk for 10 hours about what it's like to raise two kids on TPN. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to, that just kind of popped into my head, um, and I think this will kind of lead more into some of the supports that we had. Um, did you struggle at all with, like, allowing us to do stuff? Like, did you feel like you had to, at least in the beginning, like, were you afraid to like let us do stuff because of our oh honey I'm, I'm still afraid i'm still afraid um but i think i'm starting to figure out that even the moms of people who who don't really have any issues to speak of are also afraid so i think that's normal but I feel very blessed because I knew a family very early on whose doctors scared them to death from day one that their children should be put in a bell jar and protected from the world. And, um, and those, those children grew up into men and, and they had some pretty significant, you know, mental health stuff. So, um, so we were fortunate in that we had um, a nurse named Cindy who came into our home and not only became your nurse, Mallory's nurse, but she also became my best friend and part of our family. So um, she, when she came into the house, her philosophy, she just had a, she was an amazing human being. Like she just, she just exuded life. So when she came into our house, her her philosophy wasn't, can we do this or that? Her philosophy was, how can we do this or that? So she and her husband, which, you know, I'm sure that there would be many, many people in nursing agencies right now who would say, oh, that's so ethically wrong, blah, blah, blah. We would never do that. But it, it's what 
made our family the way we were. Her husband and she went out in the woods and set up a camp and invited us to go camping. We slept in tents. We, we had Mallory hooked up to an IV, huge IV machine on an IV pole out in the middle of the woods in the rain under an umbrella cooking marshmallows on a fire. So um, that's, that was my role model. And I also studied child development. So I knew that there were, I'll be honest, when Mallory was little and she was in Boston Children's Hospital, I ran around trying to find somebody who could tell me that she knew the difference somehow as an infant between what we were doing to her and child abuse. I was, I was so terrified that she was going to be so traumatized. And um, nobody could tell me, nobody could reassure me that that was the case. Um, I feel pretty confident now that even though she had a lot of bad things happen to her, that we were always there on the other side to make sure that she um, felt loved and protected and safe. And we actually set up some safety rules, which we then continue to follow with you. So for example, we had a sign over Mallory's bed when she was an infant, no boo-boos in my bed. If they needed to take blood or do anything that was going to cause any kind of anxiety or pain for her, she needed to be removed to another area. That was her safe place. And I'll tell you what, I almost had to throw some hands with some of these people to get them to follow my rules, but they did. And now I, I think some of these folks teach other parents to do the same. And I, I would just add, like, I feel like the good experiences vastly outweighed the bad in number. You know what I mean? So like, if we were in the hospital for something, like obviously Mal had more complications than I did to deal with. Um, but like we had so many positive experiences together as a family that like, I feel like we almost knew that like you weren't do, you had nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? Like you were a source of support during that. If anything, it wasn't you doing it. You were just like, we have to do this. So. Well, you guys remember the ice storm? We had a big ice storm. Everybody lost power. We, weren't, we knew we weren't going to have power back for days. The whole state was out. And it was very, very difficult to navigate the roads. Trees were literally like falling down because they were frozen. And um, huge chunks of ice was, were falling. I mean, it was dangerous just even driving somewhere. So I called our doctor and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, you know, we need to get the girls somewhere safe. We couldn't infuse TPN in cold in, without heat. And we didn't have any, um, we didn't have a wood stove or anything at that house. So um, the doctor said, well, you can go into the emergency room just to, long enough to infuse 12 hours and then go home. And I was like, um, that doesn't sound right to me. So we brought you guys to the hospital and thank God. And it was interesting because the gentleman that was running the hospital, um, we were allowed to stay in the hospital during the power failure and they took very good care of us. And there was, there was a gentleman there who I had fought with in like testimony, you know, about healthcare and, you know, being, um, accessible, et cetera. And, um, and he had his sleeves rolled up. He and I had been fighting with each other not that long ago and he had his sleeves rolled up making sandwiches for us. So that was, that was very interesting in a lot of ways. But, um, and they had set up a, a wing of the hospital for medically fragile people. Mostly it was old people. You guys were the only kids. 
so there were old people on oxygen um the, but the old people loved you guys they got the biggest kick out of it but the doctor didn't send us there the the hospital invited us in when we went to follow the doctor's instructions and and do it in the er and that was a huge relief um but we had a blast and you know i mean during that time we as soon as we knew you were safe we went through a terrible time that same doctor also um Maisie, you were so sick. It was at the beginning when we really didn't have a diagnosis for you yet. And um, we, we were really worried about you. You were really dehydrated and we, were, we wanted an ambulance to take you to the big hospital far away. And um, the doctor said, no, um, she'll have to go to the local hospital and then be transferred. And I, I was like, we, we can't do that. If by the time they figure it out at the local hospital, it might be too late. And so we drove you 80 miles an hour to the hospital and you were okay. But, um, but you know, as that doctor made some mistakes, but other times he nailed it. So that was, that was difficult. You know, that was a difficult time. Um, but the point being that there were times when your father and I had a great deal of fear, a great deal of anxiety about, all kinds of things but we always got to the point where we would figure it out and settle down and we would just sort of we called it circling the wagons we would circle the wagons and and keep in mind too we had my mom we had his parents we had aunts and uncles you know we had folks around us friends um who um you know gave us support during these times too it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because Maisie and I recently were talking about our ability to react in a crisis and how we, you know, we, we have emotions and we process them, but in the moment, we just circle the wagons and we act. And I think about things like when Owen and I were at the Boston Marathon or when his wheelchair broke the Friday before Christmas in an office building, you know, of course we were terrified and upset and, you know, but at the, in that moment, it was, who is our support system? What can we do to resolve this? And, you know, what are the outside of the box thinking that we can do? Like, I remember, like, I stole a wheelchair from my office and we used it for the weekends. Like we were, we, there happened to be people that we knew in the building and in Boston who could come get us. Like, and, and we have that resiliency and those problem solving skills. And I think, I mean, I know that like, that's something that we learned of like how to, you know, manage your emotions, but also to problem solve in, in a crisis. And I think about the ice storm and I think about all those things. And it was about, getting to you know getting to safety being in a safe place being with your support system and then going oh, okay you know now we can you know play a game now we can relax you know thinking about when we all shared a bed in the seaport hotel after you know our car got stolen in boston and you know laughing about it later um but i i know that that's something that we just recently we're talking about you know with with the way the world is right now having to handle you know all the changes and things that are happening and you know just talking about that that resiliency 
Yeah, I would agree 100%. And like, I, it's like what Nal and I were talking about the other day, like, what else, what else can you do? You know, everyone's like, oh, you're so brave. You're so strong. And it's like, what other, what other choice do I have? You know, so you just, you either keep going or you, you lay down and take it, you know, and we've never been that type of family. Like even, even in non-medical situations, like, um, the, like we were going, we were traveling somewhere and like our plane caught fire and like that has been such a metaphor for everything that we <laughs> go through because we've just been thrown so many curveballs and like you know we joke about Murphy's law and all of that but it's it's just life you know and it's like if you don't like you just have to get to the next step like you just have to get from point A to point B and then from point B to point C and then you'll see the end you know what I mean like it's what else do you do you know but yeah we definitely we definitely got that from you guys but that being said too um you know I, I've had periods of, um, I mean, there was a, there was a period of time when you guys were young where I had such bad, like chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia. I don't know what you'd call it, but like, I was down for the count when, when you were little Maisie, I always felt bad about that because one of my, as one of my friends put it, remember the time you slept for a year? Like I was so exhausted. I could only do exactly what I had to do. And the rest of the time I was down. So, I mean, there are, there are times when that, and what I learned from that experience was I have to be really careful. I have to take really good care of myself. I have to make sure that I, there are times when I do put myself first, that I do get my rest and my good food and my exercise and all that stuff. And also I do remember when you guys were little and I, um, being in the hospital and I don't know if it was another mom or a nurse or what, who it was, but, or maybe it was just me telling other people this, but when when they were going to build a new hospital in Portland and they invited us in, Mallory, remember, for, to get our input on what it should be, I, I told them, parents, if you want parents to be a help to you, you need a place for them to sleep, a place for them to bathe, and a place for them to get food and without a huge effort. So, and they did it. They made sure that those things were there. And, um, because I learned on my way that if I didn't have sleep and if I didn't have good food and if I didn't have um, if, a, an ability to clean myself, um, that I wasn't going to be 100%, not for you, not for the hospital people, not for anybody. So, um, so it was important. You know, it's, I guess my point is it's okay to not always be okay. But but it's important to not dwell there for a long period of time and to figure out, okay, why am I here and what do I need to do to get out of it? I always say, I don't even remember, I think I heard this from one of my mentors um, when I was starting my job, but um, I always have a slide in my presentations when I talk about this, I've called the pity pot. Like it's okay to like sit on the pity pot for a while, but like then get up and like blush when you're done so that you, you know, you feel your feelings and it's okay to feel your feelings, but like, then how do you move forward? And that's, you know, that's different for everybody, but. Um, I remember a mom that I knew going to her therapist and, um, the, and telling her, her life was basically the same as mine. And she um, told her therapist and the therapist accused her of 
over dramatizing, lying, you know, nobody has, a, nobody has that many problems. You're, you're full of it. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I can definitely see where somebody might think that. Um, but I guess it's in your perspective. You, that woman needed an outlet. She needed to be able to go to that therapist and dump all that stuff out. So she's not telling her the good stuff in between because she's there to get help with dealing with the bad stuff. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't have um, positive things going on in between those things too, you know? So we talked a little bit about, you know, the good people through the journey and your champions, but you know, I think we all know that there are people on the other side too. Um, so one of the questions we got was about trying to find the wording. What was the most frustrating healthcare worker interactions you've had? And I know that we could do a whole episode uh, about this, but what are some that stand out in your mind for both Maisie and I? I could actually literally write a book about this. One of the ones that very, very early on, there was a medical, uh, there was a medical student. He actually wanted to be an eye doctor, but um, he harassed me. He, he was on me asking me all these questions. I was 27 years old. You were newborn, Mal. It was, it was um, the second hospital we were in. And he literally was like, up in my face asking me these questions while I was trying to change you and which was a feat in itself and finally I just got so mad that I put the side of the crib down and your foot was in there and you got hurt you know you were hurt not hurt not hurt bad I mean I made them x-ray you you were fine but um but it upset me so much and I I went I just went berserk on this man he disappeared I never saw him again thank god but um, that was one that I remember very early on. There was also a doctor that took over for your doctor when she went on vacation, and I loved her. But she, um, and Nana was with me when this happened. He put his finger in my face and said, "Stop challenging me," and I was like, "Oh!" And Nana's like, "Oh, oh, oh boy!" Oh hell no! <laughs> so. Um, we didn't really deal with him very much after that either. But um, there was a nurse at that hospital that was awful. Um, but another one was, um, and we did talk about this, the, when we were at that one hospital with you, Mel, and the, per the nurse dragged your IV tubing through your sheets and then tried to use them again. And we said, no, 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 that's not sterile. That can't be used. And she said, oh yeah, this is our policy, blah, blah, blah. So then we got her boss and her boss came and her boss was not buying it either. And there were a bunch of other issues. It wasn't just that, but that was the biggie. And um, so then we finally ended up having to get a patient representative to come in and they moved you to another floor, which was, which, um, but I always think about, well, for one thing, when I first started with, with you, Mal, when you were little and I, I never would argue with people. I was, you know, I was in awe of these folks. They were brilliant. But as I sat around the hospital for 24 seven for years on end, you know, I finally figured out, whoa, they are just people just like me. And I have, I have actually, I'm the expert on you. I'm the expert on you guys. So, but it took me a long time to get to that 
confidence level. And there were plenty of people that tried to beat that out of me along the way. And sometimes they succeeded. So, but, um, but we also, like you said, we had so many good support folks that those were the ones I could rely on. And there were also some people who I considered to be real jerks from the get-go who actually turned around. Maisie, you had a physician who, a surgeon, who um, you were supposed to be having surgery done by a doctor I was wicked familiar with. And then there was a mix up at the desk and I, this mom said, my, my child's being operated on by that doctor that I thought you had. And I said, oh no, my daughter's being operated. And the nurse said, no, no, um, so-and-so is doing your doctor B is doing your daughter's surgery. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. So, um, so then I demanded that he come see me after. <laughs> I demanded. And, um, and he came and he was really mean and awful. But years later, when we were in the ER for something, he told the nurse, do whatever this mom tells you. She knows her stuff. She knows what she's doing. Um, and he was also the one who let us leave after you got a new line to go trick-or-treating. Same guy. So people evolved. Oh, and then he, then I never saw him again because he left with his, he ran off with his nurse, one of his nurses. Oh. What about the, uh, well, what about the line out of the office guy? Oh, oh, I, I kind of blocked him out. Um, there was this world-renowned surgeon um, liver transplant specialist in Chicago who um, Mallory's line uh, occluded and he had to put in a new one but we were in his office discussing and he goes well we'll just take this one out right now and I had just read a Reader's Digest story about um, a central line like floating around in a person's bloodstream and going to their lung and this guy had to fish it out and he was a fisherman in real life but he was also a surgeon so it was all you know symbolic and stuff but and I'm but I couldn't tell him all this in in this room but before I could even say a word he grabbed a hold of it and pulled on it and before and I was like I don't think you're supposed to do that and just as I said it it snapped and went back inside of her and um and there was a lot to do with that. But what I remember most is that that guy had a Southern accent, but when things weren't good, it got real heavy <laughs> and it got real heavy that day. So um, he turned out to, I'm sure he did wonderful things in some people's lives, but he was not good for us at all. At all. That grosses me out so much. When I had my line placed um, and they had to remove the one that I had had for like 13 13 or 14 years or something and it snapped when they were trying to pull it out like surgically like the way they were supposed to and they had to like go in from two different veins and a three-hour surgery turned into a six-hour surgery that was um that wasn't anyone's fault though that was just it had grown around me and that happens sometimes but I'm I remember that experience with the, when I was on the cardio floor instead of the pediatric floor. And it was, I think it was the first time, like, as somebody who was like aware of healthcare, that I felt so, like, I, I didn't sleep because I felt so unsafe. And I remember the other thing was they didn't give me food. I didn't, they weren't bringing me food because they saw I was on TPN. 
So usually they ask and say like, what's your, are you on a regular diet? Da, da. But they just assumed and put like a sign that I wasn't allowed to have food. So I had friends bringing me takeout because I, there was an order that I wasn't allowed to eat. So it was, I mean, everything about that experience was like still to date. And I've had some pretty bad ones since then, but that was probably one of the worst experiences. And then I remember the nurse manager was super nice when mom was in the room, but there was a time when she was gone and my friend was staying with me like just for the day because I didn't want to be alone. And she was like drill sergeant, like this is what's going to happen. And this is what we heard. And then mom came back and it was like a different person. It was so creepy and so weird. And to this day, like I've seen the differences of people who like have support. And when you try to advocate for yourself, the way that providers act, like it's, I mean, again, whole other episode, um, but that was just, and also one of the things that I know we talked about previously was just the concept of night nurses and some that we had in our home um, that were very different from the ones that we had during the day. Mm -hmm. um, That's that, all I'll say about that. That woman that you're referring to that was um, the nurse manager, I still see her in the community from time to time. And she looks at me like, I know I know you, but I don't know why kind of a thing, but you can tell she's a little leery because <laughs> I'm probably going. <laughs> so we had, for the sake of time, um, I think we'll definitely have mom back on another episode, but we're going on a little, a little bit of time. Um, but one that I thought was really sweet and I think uh, a good note to end on um what makes you mom most proud to see us thriving and I think it's great that <laughs> this person I think I think we are thriving relatively speaking as much as one can during a global pandemic and all of that um but yeah what I guess this is your chance to to brag, what are you most proud of? Um, I'm proud of every single thing you have ever accomplished in both of your lives. Um, out of all the, you know, if I had to pick one thing that I'm proud of in my life, it's, it's parenting you guys. Um, I am proud that you, of your educational pursuits, which I know are so expensive and I know that's awful and I know that haunts you, but, um, I am so glad to see my kids surpass my level of education. I wish I could have gone farther in mine and to so to watch you do that and pursue um, and pursue work in um, in fields that help others that that I'm very proud of too. I'm really super proud of your relationship with each other and how close you are and how you take care of each other. Um, so I'm proud of a lot of stuff. Thanks for asking. I thought that was a sweet one. We got a, a lot of good questions and we have more that are related to the healthcare piece and also kind of community and, and connecting with others um, regarding our disease. Um, and that is just such a big conversation that I think we want to save it for another episode. Um, and we also want to have you back to kind of 
react to some of our previous episodes and fact check us along the way because I know that there are things that we think we remember, but maybe we don't um, so much. So we've captured so much in this episode and I know that I can't wait to do a part two in the coming weeks. That sounds good to me. Um, I especially would like to um, talk about um, community. Um, community can make or break you and also um, there there's a part of community that can be toxic too so that's something to talk about as well yeah definitely I think that's a great idea um, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us on our on the <laughs> Anytime, <pod. please. laughs> um, as always you can find both of us on social media I'm the Masonator and Mal is Curb Cuts and Cocktails. And we have the With Maze and Mal Instagram as well. And I think we will wrap that up. I'm so excited for the next one because we have so much more to talk about. But we have time for that. So for the sake of brevity. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening.